We love the power and grace of athletes, artists, and high achievers with their zest and grit. But have you ever wondered how they harness their energy and get into flow? And then what do they do with the money that comes their way? I am Darren Wright, author of Financial Fitness. Join me on a fascinating journey to gain a peek into the intersection of highly successful people and everyday financial life. There will be highs and lows and relatable flow stories for you. So my name is Darren Wright. Uh, I am your host for Financial Flow. I have been advising successful families for over 30 years on how to improve their financial position and help improve their life. Over these last 30 years, it became obvious that there was so much more needed than the standard out-of-the-box traditional financial advice. So this show is really not about financial advice, though. This show is about taking you on a journey with elite athletes and other knowledgeable, successful experts to learn their strategies and achieve financial balance, groundedness, your financial zone, or financial flow and success. So with that, I want to welcome my guest today, Dr. Courtney Hunt. Hello. Thank you. Uh, Courtney is a, a friend. Uh, she's a board-certified OBGYN. She's on the leading edge of thinking, leading edge thinking of making surgery and pharmaceuticals less necessary and to focus on lifestyle and food choices as a better path to wellness. Dr. Hunt is a leader in the field of quantum biology, mitochondrial, and hormonal health. She did a residency at UCLA where my daughter is a junior student athlete right now, Bill Brew. And Dr. Hunt completed her undergrad at Loyola University Medical Center. And she is a mother and an avid hiker. Welcome, Dr. Hunt. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And did you hike this morning? I went over the top. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, so for everyone that's listening that doesn't know what uh, Camelback is all about, let's start there. Tell me what Camelback's all about. Uh, so it's our mountain that's in the center of town, right in our backyard. And most mornings I hike over the top of it, starting at about five, um, up and over. And, and when did you start doing this? I started in 2016, 2017 when I moved here from Tempe, but at that time I was sick, so I couldn't go very far. I would just walk up and down the Phoenician golf course, and that was about as much as I can do. And then I started getting better and walking around the back, walking over the top, walking walking to the saddle, and eventually got to the point where I can go over the top every day. And so... Uh, I, and now I'm wearing a weighted vest, so I've come a long way. You were a think when you saw me the other day, I had the yeah. weighted vest on. Not every day, it depends, but yes. Okay, so we're going to get back to when this all started, but let's explore that a little bit more. So you love doing it with in the dark so that you catch the sunrise. Well, there's a couple reasons. I was starting to lose my vision, as most people in their 40s and 50s do, uh, and I was noticing that I was starting to lose my night vision. So I do it, it in the dark without any light to improve my rods in my eyes, So, and I've, I can hike the whole thing in the dark now. <clears throat> and then I do it to get the sunrise in the morning also to work on my eyes and everything else. Um, I do it for grounding. I do it for a lot of things. Fasting. Yeah. So what's the biggest impact that the hiking has done for you as you, as you think back? No. Uh, well, the cardiovascular exercise. So I do it in a way that I get hit high intensity interval exercise out of it. So I'll run until I get my heart rate really high and then slow down. I'm also teaching my, I also go live on Instagram and teach it during those hours a lot for free. Um, 
But I use it for high intensity interval exercise. I use it for red light therapy in my eyes. I climb on the rocks. I use it for grounding. I do wear shoes because I don't think it's safe to be up there without shoes on. Um, I use it to work on my vision, which is improving uh, for all of those things. And then I use it to push myself. I do it fasted. So I use it to push push deeper into ketosis, basically to empty the glucose out of my blood system and out of my liver so that I can get deeper into ketosis every morning. Yeah, I love that. I, 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 I'm the kind of person that stumbles into things actually. So I, when I hide Camelback, when I get to see you once or twice a week, when I do it, I'm the same way. I'm not, I'm doing intermittent fasting typically until like, I don't know, noon or one or sometime around then. So I guess I never really realized it, but yeah. So, so tell me about that. When you, when you're hiking and you haven't had anything prior to that, what's going on inside you? So you start to burn through, um, well, you put yourself into a ketogenic state and a ketogenic state is different than a ketogenic diet or the way people interpret it as. So a ketogenic state is a place where you actually switch to burning fatty acids for fuel um, by making ketones in your liver and you increase your energy or your what the molecule that is energy in the body is called ATP. So you increase your energy production fourfold when you do that. So in order for most people to do that, if they're healthy and their hormones are working and things like leptin and insulin signaling, thyroid signaling is all going the way it's supposed to go, you have to dump any glucose or carbohydrates that you had in your meal from the night before the day before. That usually happens overnight. And then your body stores sugar as something called glycogen in your liver. So you have to be able to burn through any sugar, carbohydrates that were in your meal the night before, then burn through all the glycogen in your liver. And depending on how efficient you are at that, and if athlete would be very efficient, a really sick person with hypothyroidism and obesity would not, that might take 12 hours, 18 hours, three days, five days, just depends on the state of the health of the person. But I'm using it to push myself into a deeper ketogenic state every morning so I can get that improvement in energy so I can focus better at work, get more done. Yeah. So or do you use any other kind of stimulants like caffeine in the morning or? Yeah, I mean, I like coffee. So I have a couple of shots of espresso before I go up there. But I also drink decaf. It's more about I'd like the taste of coffee. I just like it. Yeah, me too. There's nothing like the smell of a good cup. <laughs> uh, though recently I did uh, just move to uh, a product called Rise. It's uh, It's got, you know, different kinds of mushrooms in it and some different things um, going on. I should know exactly what it is, but are you familiar with that? And so, no. Um, Alex, should be to me a favor in Oprah, we're in this other room. There's... Uh, we go down towards the end and by the cop maker and the meat, there's that mushroom stuff that I'm drinking. So I would, I would get your opinion on that. See what your thoughts are. I still drink coffee though, cause I do love the flavor mm-hmm. and sometimes I mix it up a little bit, but, um, so anyway, I digress. Tell me a little bit about your health. And you said your health, uh, when you were down in Tempe before you moved up here, um, was, was in a certain state and then it's approving obviously you look great sure so i um thank you i um let's see i had two kids back to back i was in solo practice ob uh, one of the busiest female ob's in this neighborhood at that time in the early like 2010 2012 took my kids to work with me um and had people helping me at work so i would literally had two babies worked all night breastfed pumped took the kids to work, breastfed between patients. I, I killed myself. I just destroyed my health. 
So by 2000, maybe 15, 16, I was having symptoms of hypothyroidism. I was tired. I was losing my hair. I was losing my eyebrows. Um, I was getting fat, like thick, like there's a certain thickness in your tissue that comes from hypothyroidism. And I used to hike camelback all the time, like in my mid thirties, maybe a little before that I could fly up that thing, but I lost all of that. And I was getting really brain foggy and really anxious. And I remember 2014, 2015, 2016, I'd get up in the morning and I would say to my husband, I don't think I can do this today. I'm so anxious. I'm so sleep deprived. I'm so burnt out. I don't think I can do this. So I would, I, I went to doctors, was diagnosed with hypo, doctors that I thought knew how to help me, diagnosed with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, put on medication. Um, and at the same time in my practice, I was starting to see so many sick moms and so many sick babies. And I thought, this is ridiculous. There has to be a better way than just medicating every woman for Hashimoto's for the rest of her life. Um, and I had always been a forward thinker in my career. So I started looking at nutritional genetics or what our DNA, how our, how our chemistry in our body is coded to use our food and mitochondrial health. I knew that that would be a big piece of it. And then eventually light frequencies, light is a code or frequent, it's a quantum code and putting all of that together. So in 2015, I decided to take a, probably in 2014, I decided to take a leap and said, okay, if I can work on this nutrigenetic stuff um, for about a year, I think I could manage to give up a week. I think I could direct my practice in a way that I wouldn't have to deliver babies all night, every night. Um, and there was a lot of soul searching about that because I liked delivering babies. But by 2015, I was able to give it up so that I can start sleeping. And then I spent maybe two or three years sleeping in a room with roll shutters in complete darkness, fi fixing my circadian rhythm because I had worked all night since the age of, I don't know, 21, 22, every single night or every other night. Um, fixed that and then just started working more on understanding DNA, the language of DNA, the language of epigenetics, the language of methylation, all these things that people are just now starting to say in the literature. Oh yeah, that works. I've been working on those things for the past 20 years. So um, as I was healing myself, I was incorporating it into my practice and healing myself and incorporating it into my practice until we got here. That's incredible. And, and you said that uh, one of the things you do in the morning is you hike uh, in the dark to improve your, your eyesight. So tell, a lot of people want to improve their eyesight, including me. So tell me more about that. Sure. So, um, well, it starts with autophagy. Autophagy is a a process in science that means self-eating. So we um, we have knowledge now that there's a Nobel Prize for it. And whenever there's a Nobel Prize, it means the literature or the work has been around for 20 or 30 years, uh, which is a hard thing for people to swallow because when something wins a Nobel Prize, it then typically takes 20 or 30 years for your primary care doctor to adopt it or understand it. But in the eye... Uh, um, no, it's still that slower process. No, they need people like you. They're uh, they're so burdened by their finances for the most part, or they're just exhausted and they're buried under financial loans that they can't pay off the loans. And so the doctors have to just keep seeing 30, 40, 50, 60 patients a day to be able to keep up with the loans. And, you know, it's delayed gratification for most physicians. So they don't get out until they're 30. And then they want the house and they want the car and they have to send the kids to school. And so it's a constant cycle of debt for most of them, a lot of them, not all. 
So anyway, the process of autophagy is cellular cleaning. So you have rods and cones in your eyes. Cone C color. You can remember C for C. Cone C color. And rod C in the dark. So you can improve the autophagy or the cellular cleaning in your eye to recycle those. Autophagy basically just means recycling of the proteins and the mitochondria in your body to make them younger. Re literally reverse age them. And there is literature on cleaning the cones in your eyes, the part that sees color, and getting red light therapy. So people go to infrared sauna and red, they put red light therapy in front of, that's just light. It's the equivalent of the light from the sun, but they're giving you a specific frequency. So there's specific literature improving your eye with using specific light frequencies in your eye. But you can get, if you live in Arizona, if you live anywhere, and you just go outside and face east and you understand, okay, autophagy is triggered by ketosis and fasting, and exposing yourself to the first morning red light. Red light's available all day, but the other frequencies are out later in the day. The other colors are out later in the day. You can use that to help heal yourself. And then the rod part, I do it in the dark um, because I tend to rely on my hearing. So my hearing in doing this has really changed. And um, because I'm speaking to non-scientists, I don't have a study on this. I'm very careful when I say, okay, there's a study on this versus this is my anecdotal experience. But my ears are literally starting to like, you have what's called vestigial muscles in your ears or ancient muscles in your ears. My ears are literally starting to perk like a dog. Like when I'm hiking and you know, you hear the birds and you hear the owls, my ears will track, physically move when I can hear something on the left side of the trail versus the right side of the trail. And you and I know the left side is a cliff up and the right side, if you're not paying attention, is a steep cliff down. Right. So I tend to rely not only on my rods, but also there's owls that live on that left side when you're going up in the dark and they sometimes it seems like they're tracking me they will kind of fly around the back of it with me and i can track to where they are and keep my 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 I physically feel my head twitch a little when they make a noise and pull me in that direction so when you think about how the brain works and you can have neurosensory overlap in your brain this is important for athletes they can train themselves to use their ears to see and their eyes to hear. We know this in science. You you literally can train yourself to have sensory overlap between, it's very common in blind people, to have overlap between the senses and then hone those things, if you do those things, to make your brain, I mean, I guess you could call it smarter, more intelligent, more able to take in information about the environment to track itself in space-time. That's, that's really incredible. I mean, these are, are all things that you can do really on your own without taking a pill. Without taking a pill. And the interesting thing was after I gave up OB, I was still doing surgery. I would do like seven or eight hysterectomies and minor procedures one or two days a week. I was a pretty busy surgeon. And all of a sudden, when I started implementing the nutrigenetics and the mitochondrial and the light stuff, people weren't needing surgery anymore. Women's periods, I'm a gynecologist by training, Women's periods were getting better in three to six months, usually by three months. And I wasn't having to do hysterectomies on them. But the frustrating thing for me was that I would see this in my patients. And then I would try to tell new patients, well, I can do a hysterectomy. I'm really good at that. But if you just work with me for three months on changing your diet and doing every single thing I tell you, I promise your period is going to get better. And then you don't have to have surgery. And there was a subpopulation who would agree but most of the population still just wanted to have the surgery. It blew my mind. They just wanted the simple fix. They didn't want to change their diet. 
And so as that started happening, I started getting really good at setting boundaries and saying, I know how to fix you without surgery. And surgery has a risk of, let's say, 6 or 7% major complication, like your ureter gets blown, your bladder gets damaged. Why would you choose that? Why? If I could tell you that you could be better in three to six months, let's try this. And then I'm sure, as you see with your financial clients, some people have the power to take what you say and do it and implement change. And they have success really quickly. And some people never change. So then I had to figure out, okay, how do I find the ones who are willing to make change and do it quickly and versus the ones who aren't willing to make change and let those people go? Well, that was really intuitive uh, of you to actually to come up with that because that is true. You know, there are people that are just, in spite of you wanting to help and giving them all the tools, they're just not willing to help themselves. Yeah. And then we really, then the work you're doing is can be even more impactful for the smaller group and subset that you have. That's, that's how I do it too. But, um, well, I still teach free for everyone. And I see people who have been listening to me for four or five years, because I've been doing this since 2016, not necessarily the live social media didn't have live video back then, but making the posts and sharing the information for free. And some people have been listening for six, seven, eight years, and they're just now coming and saying, oh, I want to work with you one-on-one. I think I can finally do it. So everybody has that changing point. So it's really important to me that I still give all, I mean, I spend two to three hours a day giving free information, but I'm a little more particular about who I'll work with one-on-one because I don't want to bang my head against the wall if you're not going to be able to make the change. Sure. Absolutely. And so let's talk a little bit about your book. Uh, your spark is light. Um, this is a great book. It's uh, the quantum mechanics of human creation. And I really enjoyed it. And there are some parts in here that I just couldn't believe the, the simpatico nature of, of what you're doing and, and, and the elements of flow and the book that I have authored called Financial Fitness. But tell me a little bit about the book, how you got this idea and um, what you're trying to achieve by having this book out. Because you give this book away for free. Is that right? It's free. Yeah, it's free. So tell, tell us about that. The book is the science of Genesis or how the soul or consciousness or what it, physicists call qubits of information is attached to the zygote. So uh, I put it in different ways because there are spiritual people who want to understand it. There's religious people who want to understand it. And there's physicists who want to understand it. Humanity is looking for how a soul becomes a soul, right? You make a baby with your wife, you have your DNA, she has her DNA, they merge, or the sperm and the egg merge, somehow that baby gets a soul. In science, we can now see something called the zinc spark. So in a laboratory, for years, we've been looking at something called the zinc spark and zebrafish and um, lesser consciousness creatures, I guess you could say. But in 2016 at Northwestern, they were able to put a fluorescent tag on calcium and zinc inside of an over inside of an egg and watch this is in an ivf lab it's not in the human body watch as the sperm hits the egg calcium oscillations fly across the cell at 250 miles an hour and then zinc explode out of the cell in a unified all at once manner nowhere else in the human body does that happen and the egg is sitting there with 600,000 mitochondria more than almost any cell in the human body just at that moment in time. So for comparison, a sperm only has 50 to 75 mitochondria, and those are the batteries in your cells that are making your ATP or your energy. 
So the egg is is uniquely evolved to have 600,000 mitochondria to generate energy after that code is received. So in quantum mechanics, there's something called the Higgs boson or a God particle that ties light to mass so that you can build the biology of everything, the atoms, the molecules that make everything. So this zinc explosion is the merger of the subatomic particles of the parent's sperm and egg. And at that exact moment, you get you can see what's a massive energy transfer. It has to be for zinc to be for calcium to fly across the cell and zinc to explode out. So I can get more into the quantum mechanics of how that actually works. But foundationally, we live in a civilization where we have been told that there is that we either don't know how the soul enters the zygote or that Eve causes to fall from the garden and it's placed on women, right? This is a scientific explanation for we are, I mean, I can get really complicated with this now, but we are entering the realm of where artificial intelligence is going to be dictating every single thing we see. And your level of intelligence, you have to be able to know if what it's feeding back to you is right or wrong. I didn't want humanity to have wrong information. I wanted to make sure that every woman, child, male or female on this planet had access to the right information before the lockdown happened before they harvested all of our data, before the the wrong information was out there stuck forever. So the book was completed in March of 2020. Wow, right, right when the whole world was shutting down. On purpose. Yeah. Well, it's an incredible read. I recommend uh, you checking it out. Um, what what do some of your peers think in the in the medical community about what you are talking about are is this contrary to um i mean it just seems contrary to a lot of no when i go out to lunch with them they say wow you really know your biochemistry we don't understand we'll refer those patients to you wow you really know your genetics we don't understand we'll refer those patients to you i'll tell you about the medical community let me talk to them much anymore i mean when you sit with across from a physician and you try to explain these things and their eyes glaze over it's a sad situation, but for the most part, medical care in this country, well, I have my own practice, as you know, and I do my own thing and I heal people and people come from all over the world to see me or I do it online through my company genetic protocol. But for the most part, doctors who are in big groups or who work for hospitals are on autopilot. It's all computer algorithms. They do what they're supposed to be do, not necessarily supposed to do based on the algorithm. There's not I don't want to criticize anyone because they work really hard and they're trying really hard. But when everything is automated, the thinking goes away. So I was telling a friend this the other day. This is a simple example. When I was in residency, you had to write out the fluid that your patient was getting. You had to write out how much potassium chloride, how much sodium. You had to write out every detail of what was going to go into their IV. Now it's just a click of a button. You don't even have to think about what you're doing. But your entire nervous system and your entire muscle system runs on what we call voltage-gated ion channel. Your whole brain runs on that. So I think a doctor should know what they're doing with your electrolytes before they put them into you and not just click a button to to put that into you. Um, And and that's just the tip of the iceberg of what's happening in medicine. It's, It's just an algorithm. 
you know, it just seems like that is happening all over the place um, in the medical field. You know, um, whether it's COVID or 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 what you're describing, that there's just they're not maybe open to. I'll use the word alternatives, but other ways of thinking, like what you're describing. This seems to be, I don't know if obtuse is the right word, but a lack of being open to alternative medicine and other steps. Like when you were describing when you hike in the at, at night and the, the beneficial impact it had on you and others scientifically of your rods, as well as, um, you know, your diet and other types of things. And that just being... Oh yeah, that's important, but really you still need to just take this pill and have the surgery and that. Well, our medical system is run by the pharmaceutical industry. So your tests are based on what the pharmaceutical industry says. The board holds you accountable to what the pharmaceutical industry says. There is very little care or attention to alternatives. And many, I would say most, if not all, of our medications are based on something found in nature. Our lifestyle choices should be based on something found in nature. So if you look at every religion, there's um, fasting. Every religion has fasting that's been handed down generationally, but we've lost sight of that. We don't do it. So every religion practices fasting. Most religions practice fasting. And there's a Nobel Prize for autophagy or fasting. Why do people not see that it's the same thing? Whether it's religious or scientific, it's the same thing. You clean your cells and you don't eat. You yeah, that's sick. You know, it's it's. I find it interesting that there's some parallels to medicine and finance too, and that many people uh, that that deliver financial advice, financial advisors or institutions, they um, I kind of feel like they disperse it a little bit, like physicians do. You know, a physician has someone come into their office representing a pharmaceutical company, educating them on that specific medicine and then they go and they offer it to their to their patients and they may do their own research i don't know if they do their own research or not but something tells me they may be a little bit too busy and they're relying on the sales representative who brought the drug in to then help them be educated to tell their clients and they maybe didn't do the deeper dive a little that happens in the financial world too um that i've seen where the mutual fund rep comes in, talks to the advisor, and the advisor then is telling their clients to buy the mutual fund. You know, so there's a little bit of a similarity there. And then the financial institutions, so that'd be like uh, the Pfizer's of the world. They're in business to make money. Like we shouldn't be getting medical advice from pharmaceutical companies because they are for-profit company. They're many beneficial things, but they're they're still in business to make money. That's their goal. Same with financial institutions. They're in business to make money too. And so, you know, could they have the correct information for you? Yes, absolutely. But it's also, there's a- uh, Motivated. Yeah. Uh, uh, my grandfather used to say there, there could be a cockroach in a woodpot. So you just, you never know. So it's kind of interesting. There's some similarities there. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you have a real large social media following. And you, you post a couple hours a day. Is that right? Is that what I heard you say? Well, when I hike, I use my form. I use my exercise as a form of teaching. Yeah. So I usually start live at like five in the morning, and just depending on the um, reception on Camelback, I'll go until 
I get to the backside where you have no reception. And I talk about everything. I talk about quantum field theory. I talk about the Higgs boson. I talk about strong force, the weak force, electromagnetic radiation, what holds this world together. I talk about cosmology. I talk about autophagy. I talk about ketosis. I talk about hormones. I talk about thyroid. Like I cover it all. If it's science, I cover it. And how's that been received by your patients and your existing patients, new patients? Tell, tell me about that. I think, well, I mean, it helps me find people who want this kind of information. With what I do with nutritional genetics and mitochondria and light, I can help almost anyone get better, um, providing that you don't like let a tumor go until it's too big that it has to be cut out, or you don't let a neurodegenerative disease go until you can't remember what you had for breakfast this morning. But simple things like arthritis and lupus and autoimmune hepatitis, those types of things, I, you have stem cells in those places. You can make those things better. Um, so it's helping me find the types of people who are looking for that information. And I don't even, I don't think of it as outside of the box. I am using 2023 published literature and I post it, I post the articles in my stories. As soon as I find one, I show people so they can read it for themselves. So I don't think of what I do as alternative. I think of it as 30 or 40 years ahead. What are some personal stories um, that people have shared with you about the impact that you're making on them? Well, when you heal someone in a family, their family members see. And their family members either say, oh my gosh, you look so much younger. You've lost 30 pounds. Your Hashimoto's went away. What are you doing? I want to do it. Or they feel threatened by it and they look the other direction or they get a little mean and jealous. So I, I warn people, you're going to be able to raise your community with this but there's also going to be people in your community, your family, your school, your whatever, that is used to you being the victim and being sick. And those people are going to run the other direction and they're going to be really mean. The majority of people are going to say, what are you doing? I want that. And then it's up to you to take what I've taught you and teach your children, teach grandma and grandpa, teach aunts and uncles, teach the teachers. I mean, this is a grassroots effort. It's a grassroots effort to heal everybody's brain. That's what I'm after. And I want to take people who are so sick and make them normal again, but I also want to take the normal and the superheroes and make them superhuman. As long as you're willing to change, I'll help anyone. But the biggest, the biggest thing that people see is a year or two later, they look like a totally different person. Every cell in their body has been reformed, remade, repurposed. They look younger. They act younger. They have better energy to play with their kids rather than parking their kids in front of the television or a cell phone. It changes the trajectory of entire families if they're willing to do it. It also helps them weed out the people who are mean because a lot of times the reason people get sick is that they go through these repeated sequences or patterns with family members who aren't nice, who pick on them, who tell them that they're fat, who tell them that they're stupid, who abuse them emotionally, mentally. And I mean, the list, it can get really ugly, the stuff that I see. A lot of times when I heal those people, then they recognize, oh my gosh, I'm in this situation. I got to get out. Because this person isn't going along for the ride with me. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, I I definitely um, agree with that whole holistic way of thinking with medicine, and I goes really part and parcel with what I try and educate people on in terms of their their financial fitness. And that's um, it's not just one thing. There's not one silver bullet, and there's. Uh, you know, it's your your mindfulness around money, 
knowing what your values are around money, having a clear identification of what your goals are around money, and then having actual emotion tied to those goals. So when you really put yourself there and think about it, so you, it gives you a higher probability of actually achieving those goals. And then you have an understanding of where you are now. So when you get all that together, you have a better state of where things are, which then allows you to focus on the even more valuable things, which are even oftentimes non-financial, like relationships, your health, and so forth. And so what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it is it doing that first or is it having your health? Because oftentimes what I've found is that once people have that, what I call groundedness or flow state with their finances and a sense of calm and peace, they then start improving, working on their health. But if their health and their mindfulness is there, they have a clear understanding also of their finances. So they, they go hand in hand, which um, I feel like it's that way with uh, medicine too. Like if you have a certain mindfulness, if you know your body, if you can feel your body, then you really are better apt to know, is there something wrong with you medically that you need to get some, some mess Western medicine on or surgery on, or is it just taking an inventory of where you are with what you're eating, what, what, what you're drinking, what your lifestyle is? So I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, when you understand quantum mechanics, you realize that time isn't real. Meaning in this field of energy or information that we arise from, there's no time. So the you that exists in the future exists today. And the way I describe it to people is write yourself an email of how healthy you want to be in a year. And I was asked people, when do you see yourself feeling better? Because with me, you can feel better in three months. You're not going to be, you're not going to go from 200 pounds to 130 pounds in three months. I usually tell people, if you do everything I say about two pounds a week, we'll come off. But you'll have more energy in six to eight weeks if you can do everything else, every single thing I tell you to do. If you can see yourself in July being how you want to be or next Christmas being how you want to be, I can get you there, but you have to talk to that future person. You have to be able to see who you want that person to be. So like this time of year, I would tell someone, okay, what do you want to be doing on the 4th of July? Do you want to be in a bikini? Usually it's cosmetic or it's visible for people. Before they realize the brain benefits, it's visible. Do you want to be in a bikini? What do you want to dress up as for Halloween? Can you see yourself standing on your driveway? Most of the moms I see can't even get off the couch by five o'clock in the afternoon. They're so tired when I see the really sick ones. Do you want to be standing on the end of that driveway in your Wonder Woman costume looking like Linda Carter? Or do you want to be laying on the couch because you just can't handle Halloween with your kids? I'm going to get you there. If you can see Linda Carter... I will show you how to get get you there. And your doctor is supposed to show you how to get there. And your religion or whatever spiritual background you come from, if they were teaching you ketosis and fasting and all the things that they're supposed to be teaching you, you, you get to the same place. But they're not teaching you what they're supposed to be teaching you. And if people say, I can't even envision that, then I'll say, okay, look backwards in your past. Because again, if your light's not tied to the mass of your body, there's no time. And then that's a really hard concept for most people to get. But you as a baby is back there somewhere. When's the last time you felt good? Was it five years old? Was it 12 years old? Was it 16 in high school when you were a cheerleader and you were still in a size four or six? Identify with that person and look backwards and say, I want to see that person. I want to be that person. The hardest people for me are the people who 
came into this world with two sick parents. And by sick, I mean epigenetically the DNA in the sperm were weak or damaged or the mitochondrial function was not good. The energy production from the mom, mostly from the mom, but also comes a little from the dad, was not good. So those people have been sick their whole lives. Those are the hardest ones because it's hard for them to believe that there has ever been or could be a time where they have energy. And then I just have to say, okay, watch me walk up this mountain every day and listen to everything I have to say. And if you show up and you implement one or two things a day, you're going to get better. You can't not get better if you implement. Well, that's, I mean, it makes total sense. And, you know, you, you have a goal, you help them identify a goal, you visualize that with your Wonder Woman example, and and that's just going to give them a better chance of actually achieving that goal, plus with the, the coaching that you provide for them. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I, I find interesting about, you know, individuals, um, whether it's an athlete or just anybody regarding coaching, you know, everybody has a coach. Well, not everybody has a coach, but most elite athletes have a coach. You know, the only, the only, uh, example that I, that I know of that I can think of right now is Bubba Watson. He's, you know, a famous, uh, golfer. Uh, he was self-taught, but even he got a coach after a while for a swing. And, but, uh, Michael Jordan coaches, Kobe Bryant coaches, you know, I mean, I think in your book, you even say that even a Jedi had a coach or a mentor. Every Jedi has a master. Every Jedi has a master, yeah. So the thing is, you got to be careful who you pick for. Pick as your coach. Because if you're choosing a doctor who doesn't understand ketosis and doesn't understand autophagy and doesn't understand nutrition and nutritional genetics and chemistry and epigenetics and methylation and telomeres and all the things, reactive oxygen species, inflammation, these are all the cutting edge topics in science that are winning Nobel Prizes. If you pick a doctor for a coach who doesn't understand those, they are going to be like a middle school coach. No offense to middle school coaches. Yeah. I'm sure they're good ones. But it's kind of like trying to learn calculus from your third grade math teacher. You have to be careful who you pick as your coach. And I'm sure this same it's, it's the same in your business. Oh, yeah. It, it is the same. You know, you want, if you want to uh, learn how to become an expert marksman, you want to hire a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Then hire a, uh, a mall cop to teach you. That's the same. That's the same kind of thing you see uh, in the financial space. So tell me what some of the stepping stones were there for you that allowed you to become such a success in your in your life. Oh, my dad told me from childhood what you believe you will achieve. Like I literally did a a speaking competition. I think it was through the Rotary Club, and that was what I wrote about. My dad ingrained that. Nine or ten. Wow. My, my dad and my mom was a teacher, so we spent all of our afternoons at the library. I read hundreds of books as a child. I mean, I devoured books. There were no computers back then, so you just read every night. I'd have a flashlight under my sheets reading. And my dad was, he just, I mean, he had me read things like Wayne Dyer when I was a child. My mom gave me Stephen King. <laughs> my dad gave me Wayne Dyer. He used Wayne Dyer. So I just always knew I'm creating this reality. I think when I was eight years old, I told my mom, I'm going to have a blonde baby named Sophia with curly hair. And I do. Now, I could have picked the name, but I couldn't pick the look, right? And I told my parents when I was eight, I'm going to be a doctor. I just know it. And when I was in high school, I wrote term papers on cloning and stem cells and nutrition. And I could see a world where we might have to rely on vitamins because our land would be so poisoned with heavy metals and pesticides. I could see that when I was 16 or 17. I didn't set out to have a 
a nutritional genetic company. No way. But I was writing about it when I was 17. So I call those quantum nudges because I think this is going to sound strange, but understanding what I do about quantum mechanics and artificial intelligence and a simulation in a computer and how we can control time right now in a computer simulation, both forwards and backwards, a few quantum bits. I think that there is something that we are doing as humans with our quantum brains, controlling both our future and our past in both directions. That's really fascinating. I mean, so what, what does someone hearing this, what's actionable that they can do from what they're hearing right now? And the first thing you have to do is clean your brain. Whether you're an athlete who wants better performance or you are a mom who, you know, takes the kids to school, makes the lunches, and then she's exhausted, you have to clean your brain. And the only way, when I say clean your brain, uh, let me get scientific about that. You have neurons in your brain that are conducting, conducting electrical impulses or what we call action potential. And those are running on, like I said, voltage-gated ion channels. I, I call those those garage doors that are letting in potassium, sodium, in and out, in and out. So any athlete is going to know how to recognize when they're thirsty. This is one of the hardest things I have training non-athletes is know when you're thirsty, know when you need electrolytes. Like you have to know I'm going down. Do I need chicken or do I need salt and Gatorade, right? Right. Because if you just only drink water, you're going to just flush out all the electrolytes in your body. You turn on your blood. Yeah. And so athletes are really good. Like I have one guy that I work with who's an MMA fighter. And he, it just came so easy for him because he already knew how to cut weight. He already knew how to put weight back on, which is basically what I'm doing. He knew how to flood, how to, how to strip weight off. He knew how to balance his electrolytes. He knew when he was thirsty. He knew when he needed more water. He knew when he needed his electrolytes, his Ultimar, whatever he's, whatever he's going to drink. Those people are the easiest because they can sense it. And I, if you can sense what thirst feels like, you might be able, and athletes know, okay, if I rehearse this in my mind enough, it's going to happen, right? My opponent might rehearse it more and my opponent, he or she might win. But if I rehearse it enough in my mind, I'm going to get the muscle memory and I'm going to get there. The average person has no clue how to do those things. None. Zero. So sometimes I have to just start with teaching them, this is what thirst feels like. This is when you add electrolytes. This is when you don't. Um, so I always say, see yourself well. See yourself as sending your future self an email and then make sure that you've reached that goal when you open the email. Get your water right, get your salt right, get your electrolytes right. So for your population, that's going to be easy, but for most people, it's not. And then I have them slowly start eliminating carbohydrates from their diet. And for most non-athletes, you have to get to about 20 grams of carbohydrates a day to enter ketosis, to dump all the sugar out of your bloodstream, to jump all, dump all the sugar out of your liver. You have to get below 20 grams of carbs. For a professional athlete, it could be 75, it could be 100, it could be for somebody who's running a basketball court all day long, it could be 200, 250. So that, for the people that you work with, that's it's, those are different numbers. But if you can just test yourself and see if you can get yourself into ketosis, you're going to have that increase in energy. Now, where people fail is not having nutrition. So if you are practicing ketosis and not eating all the fruits and vegetables and sugar, you have to have the right nutrition. And that's what I use the DNA for and just help people, okay, you can take, you can eat this because you don't do this well metabolically in your body, chemically in your body, or you can take a supplement of it. Doesn't matter to me, just make sure you're staying in ketosis. So we go through all of that and build a plan for the individual that's designed around their epigenetics and their genetics to get them there 
for some people, it's just get them there. And for some people, it's to get them there faster. Is sourdough bread and butter on ketosis? <laughs> I know we've enjoyed it together. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah the cheap bet. Um, yeah, I did find that out when I was doing a lot of uh, Ironman competitions and endurance training. It was really hard to stay in ketosis because you're just, you know, I would I would pack all the salted almonds and I would pack fruit, actual fruit. And then when you're out on a seven hour bike ride training, the fruit doesn't do so well in the Arizona heat, you know? So eat supplemental gels and, and do these things, which is just basically pure sugar. And so it was, it was tough. So how does your MMA athlete, and I assume you have other athletes that you oh, yeah. are patients. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the athletes and how you uh, work with them to stay in ketosis in spite of burning all the calories and all their high endurance workouts. Oh, so for him in particular, he stays in ketosis. He's also Islamic. So he had the benefit of practicing Ramadan, fighting during Ramadan, which is, you know, daytime fasting for people who don't know, understanding fluid shifts, understanding having cut weight, understanding having to, how to eat the carbs to add the weight back. But he, he, he already knew all the pieces. We just had to put it together. So he'll stay in ketosis to get his mind right. It's, ketosis is a warrior state. So when they would send warriors off in ancient civilizations to fight or hunters, they would be in ketosis and then fasting for three, four, or five days to get them to get the food or to fight a war. So when you understand that, you could use ketosis, three, four, or five days of ketosis to get laser focus because that it upper it it increases the turnover of dopamine, things like dopamine and serotonin in your brain. It increases the ATP production around the synapse and the neurons so that you can get laser focus. And if you've ever fasted for more than twenty four hours, you know like you are zeroed in on on whatever you're doing. And there's no, there's no doubt I feel better by this intermittent fasting work. Uh, my wife and I will stop eating, you know, ideally like 7.30 or 8 p.m., but let's say worst case, 8, 8.30. And then I don't eat again until usually like 12.30, 1 o'clock, sometimes 1.30 or 2. And I just feel more alert, more on top of things. And I work out in the morning. I either hike camelback like you do, or I, I rode this morning for an hour, I go to a trainer for an hour, um, you know, hop on the Peloton, something like that. So it's not like I'm just sitting around, you know, so I, and I, but I feel much more alert when I do that as opposed to by, I'm going to have, you know, even if it's something healthy, like a, uh, I don't even know, like a, like a, the eight frittata or something like that, you know, I mean, it, it's okay, but I get slowed down a little bit. So yeah, I definitely feel that way too. Well, I would challenge you to think of it more of, are you dipping into what's called the catabolic state so that you can then rebuild yourself? So after I've worked with people for a while, I say, okay, stop thinking about it as timed intermittent fasting. Because really what you want to do is hit a point in your body where you're starting to eat yourself and then flood yourself. Do the exercise. That's what releases the stem cells so that you can grow new tissue and then flood yourself with carbohydrates so that the nutrients can get into your body to rebuild the tissue. So start to not think of it in terms of intermittent fasting, but to think of it as, have I hit that catabolic state? Have I hit that state where I am breaking down damaged muscle, damaged hair follicles, damaged skin? And once you get that that's the mission, then it's different for everybody. That cat, And it's going to be different for you every day of the week, depending on how many carbs you had the night before, how much exercise you did, what your hormones are doing that day. But she may have to fast for 24 hours, I may have to fast for 18. You may only have to fast for 12. It's a little bit easier for men. And 
someone who's sick with Hashimoto's and low vitamin D and all le high leptin and abnormal insulin secretion, they might have to fast for five days. So I challenge people, stop thinking about it as a time. If you believe that it's a time, you're not going to get there. It, it has to, and, that, and it might work for you because you're in good shape, but it's not going to work for everyone. It's, it's more of when do you hit that catabolic state that you start breaking down and repairing your damaged tissue, stay there for a little bit and then, and then refeed yourself. Wow. See, fascinating. Yes. I need more help. So, <laughs> like, yeah. um, so what steps are you taking, Dr. Hunt? I was so used to calling you Courtney, but I'm... Call me Courtney. Via Courtney. Uh, what steps are you taking literally to keep yourself in balance physically and emotionally uh, so you can keep the pace up that you're going at now? I protect my sleep. You protect your sleep? I protect my sleep. And I track my sleep. How do you track your sleep? So I use... A radar. I use an aura ring. So when I first recognized that I was sick, I would need nine to 10 hours of sleep. Um, I probably had some sleep apnea. I never was able to turn the phone off because the nurses always had to be able to reach me to deliver a baby. Um, so I just, like I said, I put myself in a dark room with roll shutters and it was black and I would go in there from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I would need that much sleep. And sometimes even then I was so broken. My leptin was high. My, I had Hashimoto's. My fasting insulin was a little bit higher. Um, that took me like a year, maybe even 18 months of protecting my sleep. Now, when I wear my aura ring, so you need five cycles of Delta sleep to clean your brain. Delta sleep is the deepest level of sleep and you go through these periodic um, cycles of sleeping every single night. Most adults by the time are, are, they are our age have lost a lot of their Delta sleep. So they never really get that brain repair and what I was going to say earlier is your brain is made of neurons, but inside of the neurons is something called microtubules. And we think that the microtubules uh, own the quantum coherence where your solar consciousness is interacting with the rest of everybody else's soul and consciousness. That's another topic. But um, you need those five cycles to clean those microtubules, to clean your brain, to clean your neurons. And as we age, you can still get them. I work really hard on protecting mine, and everybody should, but most people don't even know that this exists, um, by wearing an aura ring and tracking and making sure that I've gotten five cycles of deep sleep. So now my body can do that. I can sleep about five and a half hours and feel fine. So since from 2018 till 2023, it's taken me five years to need three to four hours less sleep every single night, which means three to four and still feel great. And energize. It's a growth. Um, and then I look for the triggers, you know, a glass of wine will throw it off, working out too late will throw it off, being stressed will throw it off. And I analyze, okay, well, what did you do yesterday that made you not feel good today? Or how is it that last night you got five hours and you feel amazing and two nights ago you got seven and you feel horrible? I'm constantly an analyzing that information to figure out what I can tweak and what I can tweak in other people to make the sleep more efficient. Well, it makes total sense. Um, we talk a lot about the relationship between your finances and your health, as you know. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me about your thoughts about the relationship between your money and your mental well-being. Have you ever given that any thought? I mean, lack of money is stress. And stress to me is reactive oxygen species. It's DNA damage and epigenetic damage on the baby, so or on the body. So if you're 
walking around thinking I have this house payment. I overspent on my car. I overspent on my loans. If you're walking around stressed, it's like running from a lion all day. Yeah, 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 I agree. What are some of the things that you do either professionally or personally um, or that you are contemplating doing as it relates to how you're applying things to your personal health? Are you thinking about some of those things financially as well? I have big goals. Big goals. I don't necessarily want to say what they are, yeah. but they involve several more books and a like some sort of a clinic um, where we could take people in and put them in an environment where this is easy. Because it, it, it probably would be easy for a professional athlete with their discipline to learn how to do this, but this isn't easy for the average mom or dad. Definitely not easy for veterans, which is a sad thing because most of this information that I talk about comes from the Navy SEALs and the military. So the fact that we don't, we send them to a VA that doesn't teach them this stuff to me is pathetic because all the information is coming from DARPA, the Department of Defense and the SEALs, ketosis, all of it, oxytocin. I mean, you name it. It's all coming from the government. The government has this information. So I am envisioning some sort of a clinic where we could be able to put people for 30 days or 90 days. Um, to be able to implement these and make the habits so that when they go out, they can stand on their own two feet and do it. Um, so yeah, that's what I need to work on. <laughs> that's what I see the financial freedom to be able to do and to figure out how to, how to fund it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Do you work with a lot of veterans? Uh, I have a lot of veterans who have very special places in my heart. That should vary. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, I don't think, I think that the people who have protected this country or lost their lives, um, they get emotional, but they deserve the best and they're not getting the best. And the rate of suicide in our veterans is extremely high. And the damage that that can do to their families, their brothers, their sisters, their parents, that's a big deal. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Could you grab it to ship? I'm okay. It's just something I'm really passionate about. Right? Well, me too. Um, I'm passionate about our men and women of service. I'm actually dedicating my book to to them. And um, I've got I've got some friends that are active uh, deployed seals, and uh, some retired ones, and had a lot of conversations about them. And uh, I actually need to make sure I tune them into your to your. Uh, your your Instagram and and your your book, so that they can get a little more information from you and come see if they would like to. Um, your Instagram handle is Stood Courtney Hunt MD, and then my company is Genetic at Genetic Protocol at GeneticProtocol.com. Uh, the website is GeneticProtocol.com. The Instagram is just at Genetic. Okay, so let's let's one final question for you because um, I know you have to get back to your busy practice. What are what would you say is the the best success story as you reflect back over all the people that you've had an opportunity to work with? Maybe the the best success story that you could share with everybody. No, uh, I have a woman with autoimmune hepatitis, and she was the first one that I did with autoimmune hepatitis, and we got it to go away completely within six months. 
Wow, what's a great? That was something that most hepatologists will tell you you cannot do. Um, I have so many women with Hashimoto's who every doctor in this valley will tell you you cannot reverse Hashimoto's. And I am just getting women off their thyroid medicine left and right and lowering their thyroid. Most doctors will tell you don't even bother checking the thyroid antibodies because it's irrelevant and can't fix it. I mean, I would say two, three women a week are, are reversing their Hashimoto's. But for me, the biggest impact is when someone comes back and said, you fix me. And because my whole family listened, now you fix my whole family. And my child got this SAT score. And my child is going to this school. And my child is on this career path. Um, and my husband doesn't have sleep apnea. And my husband had a heart attack. And now his cardiac score is zero. And it was 300. Like the it's the trickle down effect or the ripple effect that I don't even know until like a mom or a dad that I've seen, because I see men and women, comes back and says, oh my gosh, not to, you didn't just save my life, but these skills have affected the, the rest of my family. And that's probably the biggest, just it's what makes me the happiest. Yeah, well, that was my next question. What kind of impact does that make on you? It makes me want to keep getting up and hiking and teaching the things that I do every morning. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much yeah. for taking time. Yeah, it was fun. And um, uh, gosh, I just appreciate you coming by and uh, can't wait to uh, basically see you again. Thank you. I'll see you later in the week. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you, Dr. Courtney Hunt, for being here today. And thank you all for listening. We hope that you were informed and inspired to move even closer into your financial flow. If you liked our show, we would really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed us on whatever channel you're listening on. And most importantly, make it an awesome day. See you next time.